Hello, it's Charlotte's sister, C. Farrell, host of Powered by Age, Canada's longest-running senior-led podcast that invites you to do what you love. This podcast is for you if you love writing or telling stories, if you love sharing poetry or doing interviews. This podcast is for you if you love working on ways to create age-friendly cities. This podcast is for you if you love learning how to tame technology and get more out of virtual events, if you love finding more ways to share your heritage or traditions. If you love any of these things, you can go beyond listening and join our weekly podcast group. Simply email pbaafc at gmail.com and put your name in the subject line. Powered by Age is sponsored by the Government of Canada, New Horizons Grant, the 411 Senior Center Society, and GNF Financial Group. Good afternoon and welcome to Powered by Age, Canada's longest running Powered by <laughs> Powered Up and Led by Seniors podcast. Uh, today is uh, another day of Women's History Month where we have special presentations, presentations dealing with the bias of having someone told you that your voice wasn't important or hearing someone misrepresent your culture and the way to speak up without banging them across the head. We have two people who are very skilled in dealing with those topics. Uh, Muriel Shabazz is a double diamond Toastmaster who speaks and nudges people internationally to speak up and also to clarify things and has been very involved both in educating speakers but also nudging. Some people say, Charlotte, you push me. Why are you always pushing me? It's because I had as a mentor, Muriel Shabazz, who pushed me and said, Sister C, your voice is too soft. So I don't think it's soft anymore, but you will be hearing more from Muriel and the work that she's doing. Our other presenter, Wilda Keir. Wilda has a long-term work in education. She is a person who does modeling for teachers on communicating and also works with and raises questions when they send to her presentation just some kids rather than everybody, somebody has made a decision about who is worthy of getting knowledge about college education. So we're going to have uh, wonderful, inspiring presentations by them. But first, we'll just take a, a, a minute for people who are come in and are regularly part of sharing their stories, their poems, their opinions, as well as new people that we have. And I will just start with Leslie. Uh, yeah, I'm Leslie Hebert, uh, normally from New Westminster, British Columbia, Canada, but today coming to you from Green Valley, Arizona, where we've escaped to the sunshine. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Prafula? Um, yes. Hi, uh, my name is Prafula Vyas, and I live in Melton, Ontario, and I'm delighted to let everyone know that my poem, The Value of a Word, was published by uh, spillwords.com. So that was kind of exciting. And, yes. And thank you. And uh, we're talking about voice. And uh, I feel that that has a definite voice. Uh, and it's a voice uh, regarding uh, our animals, you know, especially birds. So that was kind of exciting. So I thought I'd like to share it with everyone. Thank oh, you very congratulations. much. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Delsa? Yes, my name is Delsa. I work in hospitals and um, and I became I, I became a yoga teacher, meditation teacher. So lately I've been into books, thanks to Neil and other people who are into books. And lately I have found this book, two women, 
but it's not they're not tra tra uh, trailblazer it's about uh, uh, a 17 year old uh, terminal uh, teenager uh, 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 lady and a 83 year old woman who total of 100 years between them beautiful book beautiful book thank you <laughs> beautiful um, uh, dr ramona <laughs> so hello everyone very happy to see all of you and i want to say a special welcome to rohana rohana is here thanks to my sister del who invited her and and i'm very thankful that rohana that you could make it so i'm i'm a retired uh, professor mumbai university and uh, i've written a few academic texts for undergraduates and i'd like to share with you today a quote by michelle obama and she says um so the work continues and for all the young women in this room all the young men we can never be complacent because we have seen in recent times how quickly things can be taken away if we aren't vigilant if we don't know our history if we don't continue the work thank you oh, thank you for that quote neil Hi, greetings from beautiful Burnaby, British Columbia. I have a book published, it's on Amazon. I'd be most pleased if you would uh, be interested in getting a copy of it. And uh, I have a, a poem today, which I would love to share at some point in time. So uh, about my mother born in 1903. You wanna talk about women surviving in uh, in this century or the last century yes we will definitely be hearing that um anna yes i'm anna de guzman i live in suri bc and i'm sorry i haven't accomplished anything exciting or great lately or even in the past but i'm very happy to be with accomplished women and uh, and neil well, thank you for your contributions and your smiling face each week. <laughs> um, Lisa, we're talking about places that we're going to go. Lisa is in the travel business. Hi, Lisa. Introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi there. I'm Lisa Futrell. I'm sorry I came in late. I'm trying to send the passcode to my mom so that she can get in on this because I was going to talk about her. And she said, well, how can I hear you talk about me? <laughs> and I said, well, I'll send you the code. But hi, hi, everybody. I'm Lisa Futrell. I'm out here in Menifee, California. And um, I don't know what I'm what am I supposed to say? <laughs> I have a travel agency. Lisa has written has out of retirement. Um, I had retired for two years and I got a little bored, I guess. And I just got a job with Easter Seals helping um, to help uh, and assist uh, people with disabilities find work because they're discriminated against. Oh, that's her. They're discriminated against so bad. Okay, so that is one of the ways that we are breaking biases. Uh, Suzanne? Hi, I found it. I'm so glad. I don't know where it was, but I found it and I sent it to Aileen. I'm Suzanne. I remember Neil from last time. Hi, Neil. 
Um, can't remember who else was here, but it's good to be here. Um, this is Women's International Month. And so yes. hello, everybody. I'm in Los Angeles also. And Suzanne's kind to find, we were talking the other week about speaking up. Suzanne writes letters that get things done for the whole neighborhood or the whole city. <laughs> she's been on many boards. She's taught people how to get on boards. And we just, uh, you're among kindred spirits of breaking biases that people say, oh, there's nothing I can do. Mm. <laughs> you should come to our neighborhood, Suzanne. We need somebody like you in our <laughs> I didn't know that, but now that I know, oh yeah, no, I do not play. I tell anybody, mm -mm, don't play. <laughs> I will comp compliment you if you do a good job. You know, I do that too. But if you don't, I would, you know, this is what you need to do. And I hadn't realized that. All right. Thank you. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> uh, Naja? Yes. Hi, everyone. Hi, I'm Naja, Naja Reese Nazi. And I was just on my getting ready to, because it's it. To uh, tell you a little bit about myself, but I have so much stuff to tell you about, and, and it just went off while I was trying to get it. But let me just see if I can do it off the top of my head because something just, oh, wait, Najee Najee, I live in Birmingham, Alabama, and California, Carson, California. I am a uh, licensed spiritual practitioner, and I am a <laughs> Toastmasters, and also uh, uh, I teach uh, chess, I teach, I'm an investor, stocks and real estate. I am um, so much more, but I can't remember it all right now because I had my list here and everything just popped up as soon as I, uh, I, um, you called on me. Hi, Suzanne. <laughs> hey, hey, the people on here I know. So just <laughs> be here. I've been trying to get on this call for the longest time, the Zoom meeting, and now I'm here, and I'm so grateful to be here. And thank you. Oh, you're uh, welcome. And I see world up there, uh, Stephen. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Steven Schomburg, friend of uh, Wilda. So many, I think so many were brought in uh, directly or indirectly with her. Um, I, uh, uh, I do life coaching and sexual healing. I work with women over 50 uh, struggling with sexuality and menopause. And uh, I, uh, I go back and forth between uh, Colorado and California. Mm, two things that start with C. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ruhana? I'm just sneaking in here. I'm just supposed to be here like a like a little mouse. I'm not supposed to be seen or heard. So here I am, and um, I'm going to be on the program on the show next week. So I just wanted to get a sense of what you folks are all about, and uh, I'm quite impressed already. I've written a book about the importance of the sense of smell and um, how smell has been denigrated and put to the bottom of the hierarchy of the senses. And so I'm going to talk about my struggle a little bit in being heard. And now COVID has sh shown us the, you know, what happens when we lose our sense of smell and uh, it's, it's very distressing. So that's my little bit. <laughs> thank you, Charlotte. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to be hearing about that along with next week, the chairman of the 411 Senior Center is going to be talking about some of the, the disparities in healthcare and some of the issues that are 
things that we can support in terms of examinations and inclusion of holistic health. Rohana, along with many others of you, provide holistic health and find it's not covered by insurance, it's not covered by plans. So that's something that there is a movement to get changed, both in the United States and in Canada. So I think that is all. Oh, and Eileen got on. She was working to get on by phone. Welcome, Eileen. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks to Brilliant Suzanne. She sent me the link. So thank you. So that is one of the things that's happened since we, we, we've powered by age began uh, with a grant from the city of Vancouver on a kind of action that could help people change the portrait of, of seniors change and make the city a more an age friendly city. We have numerous examples. If you go to the powered by age website, and see the episode descriptions of all the topics we've dealt with and all the different ways that we've worked to empower people to use their voices. So without me talking further about people empowering people to use their voices, I'm going to bring up the person who empowered me, pressed me to speak, (laughs) which is Muriel Shabazz. And Muriel, would you introduce yourself and buckle up our seatbelts? Good day to each and every one of you. Thank you, Sister C, so much for the invitation. We've been trying to connect for such a long time. And I'm just delighted to be here. The celebration of women is something that we all should take pride and joy in. Because if it wasn't for women, the world would not be the great place that I believe that it actually is. Even though we're moving through a so-called pandemic, we're moving through social justice issues, we're moving through a lot of things, but I liken it to the castor oil that my mother used to give us as children, Mm -hmm. that if you're going to have a cleansing, sometimes you need a stimulant to activate that cleaning. And uh, to me, This is a great time for us to realize that it's not a downtime. It's a time of transformation and transition. And for many of us, we're able to take this time, particularly last year and the year before during lockdown, we couldn't get out as much. We're getting out much more now, particularly I'm in sunny California, Los Angeles. So we're getting out much more. We're not having to wear the mask if we've been vaccinated or we don't have to wear the mask if we're outdoors. And so we're getting out. But I believe in 2019, 2020, when the lockdown was very intense, we uh, were able to sit and sit and go within. And that's what many of people did. They they had a chance to just stop. I have a girlfriend, Ethel Robinson. She says, sometimes in order to make a change, you have to stop. And so that's what the pandemic did for many of us. It made us stop and take introspection and say, what am I here for? What is my purpose in life? What do I do next? Who's guiding me? Who's um, influencing me? How can I be a greater influence on the world? How can I make a greater impact? And I know I'm a member of Toastmasters. I'm a distinguished Toastmaster now. And I've traveled to 125 different Toastmaster clubs outside of the United States, Brazil, Argentina, South America, Lagos, Nigeria, uh, Ghana, Accra, Ghana, and of course, the 
contiguous uh, United States. And I've seen that people are ready for something different. They're aching and hungry for something new. And I believe that each and every one of us on the Zoom call has something powerful, a powerful message that we have either tapped into or we're seeking to tap into. And so I invite each and every one of you to just look at what you can present. What can you offer? And I was thinking about what Sister C was saying. This is not an end. How, whatever age we are, we have something to give. We have something to share. We have something of value because we were created by an infinite source, by whatever name we want to call it, we were created to be able to explode and to offer and to have infinite possibilities of impact, not only on our family, community, our neighborhoods, on the world itself, our neighborhoods. And so I'm so happy to be here and to see and be part of this podcast, Sister C. Um, I think this is very important to talk about women breaking the bias. One of my spiritual heroines is Harriet Tubman. Mm -hmm. And someone opened with a quote. And Harriet Tubman said that every great dream begins with a dreamer. Always remember that you have within you the strength, the patience, the passion, the will to reach for the stars and to be able to change the world. And too often, many of us get told that if you're over 30 or over 25 or over 40, your time is up. Mm -hmm. No, our time, some people, Colonel Sanders, he didn't get started till 50. Uh, I mean, many people get started because we have to get things lined up. And I love the passage from the Bible. I'm not a Bible scholar, but the one that I love is this says, the vision has an appointed time. Wait for it, for surely it will come and not delay. And each and every one of us, we know of things that have happened in our lives that had an appointed time. We became impatient, but like Harriet said, you have the patience within you, the passion within you. So it may take a year, it may take a week, it may take five years. Did you know that the movie Forrest Gump was on the shelf for 10 years? Many popular and successful movies that make hundreds of millions of dollars sat on the shelf for years and years. And so I wanna leave you with that thought that you have within you, as Harriet said, the strength, the patience, the passion, the know-how. And I wanna add to that, what we have to me that's most important is that divine indwelling spirit that is with us 24 seven, that's always lifting us up, guiding us and showing us the best way. And all we have to do is stay attuned and receptive to that voice because it's always with us. It never goes away. And we just have to know that we are divinely guided and that we are here at this particular time at this place in history for a special reason. Sister C. 
Thank you for being here at this particular time, <laughs> being an, <laughs> an, an instrument of encouragement as well as a great researcher. Uh, one of Muriel's favorite places is the library. And people talk about, you know, uh, the trouble of getting books. And she says, I got this book, I have it at the library. So she's one of the best promoters of the library and the library. Yes, system, I am. I know. <laughs> Uh, do any of you have questions about her journey and some of the, one of the biases that we have heard is when people have said because of our age, we should be quiet or sit down somewhere or made us feel like in, in meetings, our point of view was not accepted. But as Suzanne has, has brought up, she's one of those people that says, hey, wait a minute. She won't only, not only bring up her <laughs> voice, but send them a letter. Yeah. But does anyone have a yeah. question from Muriel about those comments? Well, Leslie, what would you say has been a way that you've had to show that you have the patience, as Harriet has said, or you have the, the passion, or you have the strength? Where have you sh shown that light to others? Well, I actually went back to university when I was 50 years old. Mm. Um, when I was in high school, I was picked as uh, one of, you know, a brighter student and they were pushing me to work towards university. But my parents said that, no, that wasn't going to happen. I had to go out and get a job, right? Mm. Working class family in the UK. And I always had that in my mind that somebody had told me I should get a degree somewhere down the line. Mm -hmm. But it always had to be something that was connected with making money. It couldn't just be academics for the sake of it, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was 50, I decided to go back and finish out my degree. And I got a degree in teaching English as a second language. And... Uh, I felt that I really was letting my light shine. I felt that what I was destined for. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that I would do, even if I wasn't paid, I'd still love to do it, you know? And yeah. now I'm getting into writing as well at mm. quite an advanced age and hoping to publish a book soon. Right. Mm. And, you know, my mother went back to high school to get her diploma, her high school diploma at 64 years old. Mm. And uh, my ex-husband, he went back to get his diploma and he was the oldest one in the classroom. But we can't let outside circumstances, conditions, situations mm -hmm. dictate because as one of the mystics, the uh, 20th century mystics, Neville Goddard said that it is your concept of yourself that will dictate your success and that we cannot allow others to dictate who we are, whose we are, where we're going, how we're going to do it, why we're going to do it. So I think that that's wonderful, Leslie, that you've been able to move beyond the concepts that others may have had of you. And I think that's so important. That's how we transform uh, the world, because you, we can see that that is so necessary. Yeah. It was that to... inner light that pushed me. You know, I felt that was my destiny. Yes, know? yes. Pafula, I see you shaking your head. Did you want to add something to that? Yeah, I was just listening to you and I realized how true you are to so many things. And sometimes I think that it's our, our role models are our mothers, you know, and they pass it on to us. And if they pass on to us the message that 
oh, you, you can do this and you can't do that because you're a woman and like, because I was brought up like that. And so you have to do it that way, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that thing goes on. So I'm glad that we break it up. And I just thought that as mothers, we should teach our daughters that, no, you can do whatever you like. Like this field is also for you. Like you want to be an engineer. It's not just for men, it's for women as well. And you want to fly a plane, then go and fly a plane. Like, so mothers are play a really, really important role in that, you know? And in my personal case, like I was, uh, I was such a, so busy being a, a housewife and a mother that I never had time to do anything for myself. And mm-hmm. so like Leslie at later age, you know, I decided that I'm going to like do things that I want to. So I had to look deep inside me and say, what do I want? Like, what? it was very hard. It was very hard to find out what is it that I want because it's always about everybody else. You know? Yes. Whatever they want, never about me. So finally I said, I have a love for writing, you know? And so now at 73 years age, I've started writing and I've almost finished one book. Wow. And I'm on a second book, so I'm I'm so happy. Yes, <laughs> I can't look at the joy. I do it. <laughs> and look at the joy that you're yes. bringing to yourself. You're just so full of joy and delight and happiness yes. because you're doing it for you. And I think that Shell Richardson, she's a life coach. She talks about the art of extreme self-care and that we have to move away from trying to please people and begin to shine the light on like Fafula said, what do I want to do? We have to honor ourselves. We have to love ourselves. We have to put ourselves first. And most importantly, I think Sister C said it, we have to use our voice and not be afraid to use our voice and that this indwelling spirit will always guide us what to say, how to say it, when to say it, to whom to say it to. And I think that as we tap into that and connect with that, that it becomes an amazing journey of life for each and every one of us. How, how about you, Sister Naja? I see you, Naja. I, I, I was just getting ready to speak to you, beloved. I'm telling you, your, your talk, you know, I'm in Toastmasters too, been in it for years, but I haven't mo- been moving because I have so much on my plate. I'm multitasking all the time. Okay. But I, your, your talk was just so beautiful with so much passion, beloved. I'm, oh, my goodness. I, I'm, I'm like, like a mama saying, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. I grew up with my father and my father, there were no limits because I watched him. He didn't have this, he, and I grew up, I know many of you heard me say this, uh, you may be uh, uh, Mira when I, we were on the, uh, the uh, one of the oh, groups together. Yes, my dad read the book, Think and Grow Rich. And he used to talk to me about the, about uh, the, the, the Ford and all the different people, uh, uh, Carnegie and all those people, he used to tell me those stories. And I just knew that, that I would be successful but I didn't know that I would want to do so many, so many things. And I'm, I'm in my 70s, of course, and I'm still playing drums, still doing African dance, still, um, still investing, still, uh, still teaching in the chess, love chess. Still, right. uh, still have a cable TV show that I started doing in 1984 
uh, highlighting people who did not get recognition and they were amazing people in the community in, in, in Southern California. So I wanted to see them shine. I wanted the light shine on them. Mm-hmm. So, I be, so I began doing that one in 1984. And I'm just like, I'm, but I'm just hearing you talking, you know, being a, a, a Toastmasters, I'm listening to everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. There are counters and none of those. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a, well, it's so Perfect. great to see you. I tell you, Lisa, did you want to make a comment on what uh, Sister Najee is saying? I'm just listening and enjoying everything that's being said and really feeling inspired and happy to see all these beautiful women on here. Um, I'm still in the middle of trying to help my mom get on here Oh, okay. and uh, she's having a little bit of struggle. So I'm a little distracted, but I am listening and it's really inspiring me because um, I was thinking it was a little strange for me uh, because I just recently went back to school to get my real estate license. Mm. And when I shared it with some people, they were saying, they were like, oh, wow. And they look at me kind of odd. <laughs> yeah exactly you are involved in so many things but from everything that I'm hearing from you ladies it's normal it's making me feel like it's normal you know we we're all um we're mothers in some way if if you know I don't know anything about uh that much about all you ladies if you had children or not but even the ones that have not birthed children we women, we always end up mothering other children, other people's children's and our nephews and our nieces. So, you know, having that motherly spirit where we've been kind of taught in our culture to always put the needs of other people first. And now at the, at these later years, it's just really refreshing to me and encouraging to see other women, women saying things that I feel inside sometimes about as far as, um, you know, putting my knees first now and finding my voice and not even feeling, um, cause I've been listening to, um, Ayana a lot and I'm getting, pulling a lot of strength from her as far mm-hmm. as, um, feeling better about putting yourself first, finding your voice and not even having any shame. If at, you know, I feel like I'm at a certain age, if I hadn't reached this yet, or if I hadn't found my voice or what took me so long, cause I would have been thinking like that, but I've even, you know, uh, graduated from that, that test. And yeah. so it's, it's just a lovely, it's a beautiful time for me. I'm, I'm, um, 63, I'll be 64 this year. Wow. And um, I retired in when I was 62. I retired when I was 61, right before COVID hit, because I was going to do my travel agency full time. And then that kind of went, you know, went down here, healed. But um, even with that, it, it, it just, I just learned to pivot and start doing other things. And, um, and oh, that's uh, wonderful. Yeah. Please pass that and pass that spirit of go get this or just being able to do that bit. The narrative that's been given to us in this society is an increments, but we don't have to go by that. We can create whatever we desire for ourselves. Too many people have done it. 
And it's just knowing that you have within you everything that it takes to be successful and to feel fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. It takes us to a perfect I transition. I wanted to talk to hear about my mother because oh. I'm so proud of her. Uh-huh. And uh look like she is getting on now because I see Herman. I think that's her. I hear so you. She's, she's making her way on now, but I'm so proud of her. She is the person that, you know, if you know how you say sometimes you if when I grow up and want to be just like you, well, I know I'm grown up, but she <laughs> is my model. She she really is my model, and Wonderful. I'm just so proud of her. And when I saw the the um, the text message from Charlotte today saying if there was anybody that you wanted to talk about that you know was a trailblazer for you, I th- I got to talk about my mom. All right, and now and she's on can, here with us. Maybe, maybe she can just talk about. Maybe she'll say something. Herself. You, yeah. you do it. Her own voice. <laughs> you can do it. Oh, you want her to do it? Uh, Lisa, yeah, Lisa can do it. Oh, uh, okay. Is there any one particular thing, Lisa, that you want to you want us to know about your mom? And give us her full name, please. Uh-oh. Okay, her name is Rose Edgar, Dr. Rose Edgar. Oh, okay. Mom, can you put click on video? I lost it. Join with video, and then lost you can, the sound. we can see you. We can hear you. Mm. So, um, let me Dr. Rose. What was Dr. the last? Dr. Rose Edgar. Edgar, okay. So and, what is the uh, one thing that you would like us to know about Dr. Rose? She she is in her 80s and oh she's still going strong. Wow. She oh my God. I think strong. we all have to give her an applause. That's beautiful, Dr. Rose. Go ahead, Lisa. You can't hear I'm hearing. I'm hearing. I'm hearing you on the phone, and I'm looking at it on the. So just go on. <laughs> okay. So she's wow. in her. She's in her 80s. She was born in. Um, oh wait, what did I do with it? <laughs> oh, I think she was born in 30. You were born in 35, right, Mom? Right. <laughs> yeah. She was born in 35. She was the first, she, okay, first of all, she's very intelligent. She was from, from uh, Oklahoma and she graduated from high school when she was 16. And then from there, she attended um, Langston University. And then she graduated from the University of Oklahoma, but she was the first black woman to do so many things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm so proud about her. Like she was, um, she was the first black woman to uh, actually attend the University of Oklahoma right after they, you know, because when she went to Langston University, it's because they didn't allow blacks in those other schools. You could only go to a black, uh, um, black college, right? So then she went to University of Oklahoma and she was the first, she got a job uh, as the first black student secretary there. Mm-hmm. So that was huge for back then. Yeah. Okay. Then she was the first black secretary of an oil company in Texas. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, that was, was that in the forties, mom? Oh, well, no, no. Uh, 59. 59. That was in 59. Okay. Then she, you sure you don't want to tell it, mom? You tell it, you tell it, you tell it. Well, that's quite, it's quite well, an accomplishment. She, uh, Lisa yeah. and Dr. Rose, it sounds like you've had many, many firsts. And so maybe she was that the first she was the first black woman to get her uh, master's degree in theology from Fuller Seminary. So Fuller Seminary. California. Okay. In California. Wonderful. And then she was also the first 
black person to get a PhD in psychology, in clinical psychology at Fuller. Okay. Are so you looking to put that? And Sister C may want to jump in here or Wilder. How do we get her to put all of this legacy that she's established, Sister C? I mean, it sounds well, like a book or a manual <laughs> or a how to do. Yes, we are in the process of moving from, we're making audiobooks. If you go to our website, poweredbyage.com, you will see where many of the people whose faces are. Uh, uh, here, Neil, Leslie, Dr. Ramona, myself have recorded what's called spins. And the spins are stories where someone told a story, uh, poems, uh, interviews, like an interview. We could interview your mom. Or <laughs> but And nice novelties. Novelties are other things. But I'm also, I've been meeting, I've attended an international conference, about three conferences about publishing and on doing audiobooks. There's a big market for audiobooks. So we have some days that we've made available to people who participate in the podcast to have some training or help from our CJSF radio station on how to record, how to use your voice, do things with voice to record an audiobook. So that's one of the things we can talk with you about, making an audiobook or even serials. Uh, a big thing now is people say, oh, it takes so long to write a book. You can do chapter one. Part one. Uh, part. So we are going to be doing that. Uh, the podcast has had one format for 100 episodes. As we go into June and July, we're going to be having uh, some of the people that you see here, different times people give the presentation. So we can invite her to come and do a presentation. Yeah. But I want to make a transition over to Wilda uh, around yeah. education. Wilda is one of those people that fought for the child that the person didn't send into uh, the educational talk she was giving, the college talk, because they had decided that child wasn't worthy. But uh, Wilda is the founder of Health and Wealth uh, uh, health and wellness influencers and has worked on both national and international conferences on relationships and education. So without further ado, Wilda Keir. And I met Wilda, Wilda. interesting story. I met her through. Uh, <laughs> wow, Miriam. wow. Thank you so much. I mean, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, you know, I'm in this room of all these greatness. This is, I just see greatness everywhere in every person, every story. You know, even in this great woman's month, they acknowledging us here this one month. And we know that we've been, there's been so much greatness that came before us. We stand on the shoulders of all those people and all those women and the mothers, the grandmothers and great grandmothers. And, you know, when I, when I worked for the school district, that was, it came out of a dream. I was working in an office and I said, you know what, this office, and I just looked around and watched everybody. They were not happy. They were making money, still sad. Mm -hmm. They weren't passionate about what they were doing. There was no love. It felt like there was a lot of hate. And I'm going, what am I doing here? And all I wanted to do was to be in an environment that supported children and supported um, the, the, you know, their mind and them doing things. Because I always, and I still feel like, like I'm the six to seven year old little girl. Mm. And so 
when I was telling someone about that at that particular place of business, <laughs> they're like, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, watch me. And like within a year or so, I was working for a school district. And I used to sit there and I was so excited. I worked for this department that um, helped parents and or companies bring in volunteers so that they could help at the schools. And I didn't know anything about that. But what I did love about it, it was I was going to learn. And then I made my way into working with the, the parents and the students and the teachers mm -hmm. at the school sites. And then from there, I was like creating my own job. I was creating everything. I, oh, I wanted to learn about this. I said, how am I going to do that? I would learn. So one of the major things that happened for me was I had the opportunity to um, work with reading by nine. By nine. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, reading by nine, if you're not reading by the time you go to kindergarten, reading by nine, I think is like second grade. Like that's an issue to me. But I didn't understand the reasoning. LA Times was supporting that particular initiative. So I wanted to learn about it. And so what I found from working there and working in education, um, there's, there's the group. There's the 50 kids or 100 kids or 1,000 that they have on the radar. And those kids are sort of given all the opportunities. And it doesn't matter if it's the low-income school or the high-income school. They do. They still choose or, or choose children they believe are on a certain track. My kids went to Locker Center High School. They were, they were treated the same way, brown faces in a white school. I was a brown face in an all-white school. So white that they thought everything was based on skin color. There was four of us girls. We were all different colors. And our parents were all different colors. And I remember on parent night, my mother was confused for another child's mother because my mother was really light. And so, you know, all of this plays into the part of where you fall in the education trap. And I don't want to bash schools because we need them. We always need to learn. We always need to be learning. What I know now is that we are in charge of our own learning and we need to tell our children that. And I told my kids, you know, school looks different in 2019. And so my um, 19 year old chose to do online school, but he loved it at one point and then he hated it. <laughs> and the kids that were bullied and were working at home thrived. The kids who needed social and were working at school at home did not thrive. And the bottom line, because my son, who's 19 now, told me, mom, don't throw college at me. That was your generation. Because he says the generation now is this. We are talking about the cash app. We are talking about blockchains. We are talking about the currency of today. I don't believe any of that is even being taught in schools right now. He said schools are so behind. However, when I was on a webinar, and I'm on a lot of them, I do a lot of things. My One of my names right now is considered the tech and tools queen. 
And I love it because I learn and I educate women of all ages on how to use the different tech and tools for their, to build their businesses. But what the, I guess what the, and I don't want to say crazy, what the strange thing is for others is that how can a, can a woman in my, first of all, a black woman, and, as, and, and then being a senior grandmother of teenagers, how can I understand the tech industry? And how can I teach people to do these things that I do? And I mean, even today, someone was asking me something and I, she goes, well, I don't know if it's too long. I don't know if it's this. I don't know if it's the right words. I, you know, I, I, can you help me? And I was thinking in hours of how much time it, it would take for me to do this for her. And I said to her, well, did you put it in Grammarly? Did you do a word count? Do you know how many minutes it is to read it? And these were just like basic things that came to the top of head for me, because this is how I work. I think about it, everything in linear, even though I'm not a linear person, I am so circles, you just wiggle circles and that's me. Um, I can see the processes. And I've learned that only because 2019 to now allowed me to be in all these rooms with executives, with tech men who speak a different language and who are telling the world their secrets as, you, as they may. And so when I think about where we are today, you could sit home and you could be anywhere and everywhere. You could sit and be in a room full of top tech people on a Zoom there's no excuses. However, the excuse will be that we had all this time and we didn't learn and we didn't um, take advantage. Take advantage. Ooh. And we are still sitting in the same spots. And I talked to my friends about it because somebody was saying, oh, you know, there were so many, you know, so many businesses got hurt and so many this got hurt and so many this and that. And she was going all negative. And I said, but did you know that there was 52 million millionaires made last year here in the United States? She was like, where'd you get that number? I showed her. So we have to like figure out when we're going to to put some of these messages and songs and crises aside and figure out the road that we need to take to get us to the next step. And then I will leave with this. Yesterday I was on a call and I looked at this gentleman and I go, oh my God, he looks so familiar. And I couldn't figure out on this Zoom that had over a thousand different women of all, all different ages <laughs> from all over the world. And that's, um, a, a, the group was called Gear of Miracles. And she brought this man in who wasn't supposed to be there. He came in on a, um, because somebody else called it. So yesterday I was on three Zooms where every single speaker called out sick. And then they brought in these three other men on these three separate Zooms that were life-changing. Wow. So this man was talking about ancestral alleviating the ancestral stuff. And he was talking about that and doing some meditations and some kind of things that you could do that. This other gentleman wasn't even supposed to be where he was supposed to be at. And he was talking, and it was interesting because I'm usually in mostly, you know, a lot of my things are 80% women and there's very rare where I'm on an all man, all male thing. But this was an all woman thing and she, the woman canceled and this gentleman came in. And he talked about the messages that he got from God 
or from his angels. And he said, and you know what? By no way I was a religious person. He says, I was probably one of the worst people out there. He goes, I didn't murder anyone. I was just murdering myself and the people around me mm. and the people I worked with. Mm -hmm. But he said, I knew I was on the last leg <laughs> when the, the blackness, when the TV comes on in your mind and you wake up 18 hours later. And I don't think <laughs> us women in this group or anybody that has to get a message like that, a wake up call. But as intuitive women, I know that the wind, the radio, the song, the mag magazine cover, your friend, somebody is telling you something that you've heard before that mm -hmm. you should be doing, yeah. that you should be finishing. And so that's my path right now. I am working with women entrepreneurs. I am working with myself. I am learning. I, you know, I told somebody the other day, she goes, well, well, where do you see yourself in three years? I said, well, you know, I'm working with a lot of people on writing books. So I'll have, you know, several books out. I said, and I'm also developing a product that's a school. She goes, you're going to create a school. I said, yeah, it's a woman's business school. And I said, and it's going to, you know, have the women business owners are all going to go through it. And then they're going to pick some high school student and they're going to put them through it at the same time so that they go through together. And I said in the, the, and lastly, I was building software and she's like, you're building software. Like everybody, when I talk about it there, I could see their eyes rolling up in the back of their head. <laughs> and I just saw this software and I could figure it out. I've seen it in several Zooms that I've been in. I've seen it with people sharing it with me. And then I saw the two girls using it last year that spirit put in my attention. And I blew them off because I just, I don't know why I blew them off. I blew them off because it wasn't the right time. But when I did get their email 300 days later, they had already made $2 million. And then right after that email reading, I've seen that software in my mind everywhere. Someone making it, someone's going to do it, someone's going to. And, and people are like, how do you know that? <laughs> so we know what we all know. We just have to be too loud to ignore it. <laughs> and we have to really dig deep and just, you know, dig in. And it takes guts. It takes you speaking out. Because I'm sure when I was telling people that they're, they were like, what do you mean you know about software? I will tell you three things uh, and then I'll let you go again. There was three things that have happened in this world in my lifetime that I've seen that I've discovered 20 years before. And I sat in rooms with particulars that did not look like me and I told them these things. And they were like, who are you? How do you know this? That's never gonna happen. And quite frankly, 2019, I saw that in one in 1999 when I sat in that room in Pasadena, California, talking to these software and engineers about how the world was going to change and everybody was going to be online studying, particularly adults and kids. And it was going to be this huge platform. And I had it written out. I had it done out. I'm going to cry right now. Right. <clears throat> I think that's a connection right. to the quote that Muriel made from the Bible about seeing the vision, writing the vision, and moving on the vision. Uh, 
There are many people here that have talked about that. Yes. I just want to add, Wilder, just to tag on to what you said about how innovative you've been and the visionary, because you're a visionary. Many of you may already be familiar with the book, The 1619 Project. The 1619 Project, A New Origin Story, is, is by the journalist, Pulitzer Prize winner, MacArthur Genius Award winner, Peabody Award winner, it goes on and on. Nicole Hannah-Jones is now reframing the origin of how America actually started. So she's taking on a country, just like the 13 colonies took on so-called Great Britain. She's taken on a colony, uh, the, the American narrative of its founding. And she now has over 2,000 curriculums across the country, Chicago, Houston, New York, and other places, with the curriculum that's giving a more accurate narrative about the founding and placing those that were on the bottom as central and foundational to where our country actually got started. So to tag on what you're saying, Wilder, the visionary that you are, we have to hold to the vision and know that every resource will come, whether it's technological, financial, creative, whatever it takes will show up. And that's why it's important that we hold to the dream. But I want to encourage everyone to read this book. If you're on Audible, it's on Audible. The 1619 Project, it's now education curriculum in over 2,000 school districts. Back to you. Wow, thank you, that's amazing. And, and, and um, I wanna give you her information because she's talking about the resegregation of American schools. And for some reason, people think that black people wanna go into schools with whites because somehow there's a magic intellectual dust that's going to fall on black children and make them smart. But that's not it. It's the resources that go into these schools that are not available to other schools uh, that are in so-called low-income neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And so that's why busing was instituted, to get to the resources and not that you're going to well, be- Well, you know, smarter. it's that. I love that, Ms. Ms. Shabazz. But, you know, when I was doing the going to the schools, I spoke at that particular district had a thousand schools. I was everywhere. And I could be in South LA talking to a school where a mother was there trying to figure out resources for her elementary. And I could also be in far going towards Woodland Hills. I could be close to Beverly Hills. And I remember people saying, oh, well, should I, you know, I have $20,000. Uh, do you think I should put that uh, in, in little Johnny into a better preschool. Maybe there's a preschool where my son can learn this and learn. And there was, because I lived in La Crescenta, JPL, and all of them have these beautiful private preschools. Right. So it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters what the, what the, what the schools are teaching, but it's also the responsibility to find, I used to say, well, you know what? You could always change your zip code. Sometimes you just have to get up and move. 
And then I know that's easier said than done, but that was one thing my mother told me. And so um, you, you've got to do what's best for your children. And I say that sort of with tongue in cheek, but you know what? I was supposed to tell this story yesterday and I didn't. The story goes, uh, somebody got money for a cow that wasn't theirs and decided, hmm, I, the slavery life isn't mine. I'm going to leave. Moved to Connecticut. Somehow got his wife from there. And birthed 14 children that all became teachers, policemen, firemen, became all those of that little song. Okay. So here was a runaway slave with cow money. Birthed these kids that became figures in North Haven, Connecticut. And when you look at that, and then you look at, so I'm talking about my family. And when I look at my sisters and all the, 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 the that particular, I guess that would be like the third level. There was this, there's like this, I don't know if I want to call it a thing. It's a blockage. It's something that I know that I feel like they, we all got as far as Yale and we haven't got any further, whatever, you know, take it for that. And I think a lot of this stuff that what you're talking about, yes, you can get the resources, but a lot of it is the gumption to figure out what else to do, because we all get we've all received a lot of the same resources. Well, actually, but, not in the black neighborhoods, because it was state sanctioned uh, segregation because there's been two levels, as Nicole Hannah-Jones talks about. One level was going to teach whites how to excel. The other was to oppress. And so the polling, oh. the polling shows that that was, I mean, the research. And they've done the research. But I, I, I don't really want to belabor it because the resources are not in the Black community. You've got 20 AP teachers in the white neighborhoods and teaching at those schools, and you may have one or two. And that makes a significant difference when you don't have access to the calculus, you don't have access to the advanced physics, because when it's time for you to fill out the application for the schools and you don't have those credits, it becomes problematic. But, but you know, I don't want to- No, I hear you because I was that person. I was the one that had to sit there with that child and go, well, how come you have two years of Spanish and you flunked it, you know, like you had D's twice. And why did you take some? Well, because I didn't have any other class I could take. And they told me to try to take the other one so I could see if I can get a better grade. Mm. I mean, it's like all, I don't, you don't even have to talk to me because you're talking to the person that used to <laughs> sit there with the kid that would do that. I used to okay. drive me crazy. If I, got I could you. run around and start okay. screaming up and down the hallways, I uh. could have been that one. Okay. Well, this brings so I know what you're talking about, but that's when now though, uh, everything is online. Everything, whatever you want to learn, and I will just again, my son doesn't. His fingers are on the the pulse of the (laughs) the apparatus. Okay. But I said, dude, I need you to fix something for me. You went so and so, and you learned this stuff down in Texas. (laughs) He came back a somewhat plumber. Okay. I said, how did you guys learn how to do all this stuff? Okay. The phone. 
So I needed faucets, toilets fixed. I, we had a toilet, something happened, and he says, oh, I'm going to take it off. The, okay. and I, hey, 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 I want to interrupt. I want to go back to the topic. Okay. What's yes, the yes, topic sir. of today's? Yes. I mean, we're discussing problems that are endemic to the society as it changes. Yes. Yeah, I think and I would like to go... The connection to those points of women as advocates, because in the different positions that people have been in, whether it's Leslie and working with people for English as a second language, we have a lot of people who've been advocates for refugees, advocates for families that we have to speak up, that there are things that we notice, whether, you know, things men notice, things that women notice, but having the gumption to speak up and the way that biases uh, get broken, like biases in education where people have assumed, they've talked about it in Canada, we've talked about it in the U.S. and other places, that there's sometimes people assume that someone, because of their color, their language, their uh, region of the world they came from, that they can't make it. But those of us who have read, those of us who have the gumption to be advocates, that's where we can make a difference. We can make a difference. Hey, uh, uh, writers. I, I would like... I'm, I'm, so I'm going to come back to what you're saying, Neil, because you've written a poem about women and I'm saying writers, that there are many people in this group that are writers and the changes, like the, the 1619 Project, when people write, it does change awareness. It does help them be a more, a better place. It helps bring about positive change. Um, mm -hmm. We are... Within talking about women, uh, Leslie has her name hand raised, and we also kneel as our one, well, we have two men that have been within this discussion, but he's written a, a poem about um, his mother that reflects, again, the roles that many of us have had or have felt about our mother. So, uh, Leslie, did you have a question or were you going to comment on? Yeah, about the 1619 Project. I don't know anything about it. And remember, this is a Canadian podcast, and I'm wondering how it's relevant to can the Canadian situation. Oh, it's well, really relevant. Now for 1619, the focus is on marginalized communities and how they're treated. So every country, whether it's Canada, New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, every country has a marginalized community, whether it's um, whatever the makeup, the demographic might be. And so the 1619 Project is so important because it talks about um, how to deal with bringing that marginalized community into the mainstream. And that's how I would say the connection might be. So we're not a segmented world. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, it's uh, so I would say probably in Canada, our marginalized communities would be our First Nations. Okay. Yeah, uh, the indigenous people. Okay, yeah. I got you. So, uh, was... uh, as soon as we learn that we are all from the same mother, and we all have uh, never mind color. Let's talk about the blood. We have all got the same blood. All of us, no matter what your religion, your color, your whatever, is it that we are one entity called the human being and the sooner we can learn that the sooner w w we can love ourselves and love I, each other i agree with you neil yeah. the only problem their challenge is 
is that uh, people do see color. And so like you're saying, and I'd love for you to get out there and advocate that there's only one race, that's the human race. Yes. However, some things have happened in order to obstruct people being able to see that. And so this information that comes forward helps to clear and clarify because it's easy to say we're one race when when our Polish brothers and our Portuguese brothers and our Italian brothers came to America, they could be classed as white. And so they were treated another kind of way. Somebody my color comes to the country and we're treated in a subordinate kind of de denigrating kind of way. But yeah, we can yeah. move on. And I think Suzanne had a question and I don't want to take up all the time. Thank you. No, actually, it's not a question. It's, it's a statement. I'm from Akron, Ohio, which once was the rubber city capital of the world. And we had the best schools there. I don't get that the schools are that good anymore. We had everything in our schools because all of the rubber companies have left except for Goodyear, but they only had their corporate headquarters there. So nobody's making tires. But when you have companies that are making lots of money, they can put that into the school districts. And that's what happened because Akron only has 188,000 people. So all of our schools were good, fairly good. And so that's one thing that you see. And so I'm not certain California has a mixed match of whatever. <laughs> but it's, uh, Well, we had to have Brown versus Board of Education. So yours may have been an exception, but we had to have legal uh, things done in order to get separate but equal. Um, so yes, Akron may have been an exception. That's true. But we're talking about the overall masses of people and how they had to interact. So Akron may have had the best schools. Uh, and I don't doubt that. I don't doubt what you're saying. But we did have to have Brown versus Board of Education in order to get the resources. Right. So Some that's, of our schools that's, but but I, I, I don't want to keep going on. I think Neil wants to do his poem yeah. or something. Yes. But I want to make a comment about, you know, when we were talking about in um, the overview for the day and breaking biases, one of the biases about is that people are not feeling, there's a tempo that when people discuss issues, issues of race, issues of gender, that people have come to a point of hitting each other over the head. There is a movement that StoryCorps in the United States has. This is something that we're modeling our uh, people telling stories and gathering reservoir is using a hashtag of kindness and adding that in everything to remind people that it is a human right. It's a very good thing for people to have differences of experience and be able to talk about their life experiences without hitting each other over the head. And so that's one of the goals within speaking and within education to be able to, you know, there is there's quite a movement also in Canada about the incorrect uh, history, history of Black people, history of other to Chinese people, things they contributed to Canadian society that are left out of the school books. There's some kids that have written yes. to the Board of uh, the Education Ministry. And so being able to talk about those things without fighting, that's one of the important things of the breaking the bias of not speaking up because we want to be uh, don't want to be considered critical or, you know, un-American, un-Canadian because we raise things, but also having the courtesy and being able to listen um, to disagree. I've forgotten, I've forgotten the quote, but there's a thing of just being able to say, we can sit down, have differences of opinion and still respect each other 
and still uh, appreciate or have other times where we where we say, let's continue that conversation. So we're going to, uh, because we've run out of time, <laughs> the podcast has an unlimited amount of time because it gets posted to the Powered by Age site. It gets posted to um, eight other podcasts, all of the popular places where podcasts are seen. The, uh, I put this show into my space on um, CJSF radio on Friday mornings, and it has an hour. So Jesse, who you've seen sometimes appearing here as our tech person, he has to get all that we say that's over an hour <laughs> scrunched into the hour. But we won't. you will hear the full conversation when you go onto poweredbyage.com in a couple of days. It takes a couple of days for it to get posted to podcast spaces. So Neil, will you introduce your poem and share it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just loading it right now, and it's called An Ode to Mary. Mary was born in 1903 by the light of oil lamps on a Manitoba farm. In that year, three of every ten babies born never saw their first birthday. She was a bright child bursting with energy and more courage than most, but bound tight and wounded deeply by the rules and limitations of her century. Back then, it was God, king, and country, and damn you, woman, know your place. The Edwardian era began in 1901. White males ruled, and women were chattel expected to do as they were bloody well told. Children were seen and not heard. Grade three is enough. Why waste an education on a farm girl? Water gets pumped by hand. Laundry scrubbed on a washboard. A churn for butter. You can't reach the sink? Well, get a stool. It's a hard scrabble life and you better know your place. But there is no choice of place when you don't know any other. Born with inequities, women not yet legally a person without rights to vote or own property. Ignore the millions dead, <laughs> war dead, and the 30 million dead from the Spanish flu. Ignore the 1929 market crash the depression, the six-year drought, and with almost no crops. But most of all, ignore the bank that took the farm. There is no such thing as trauma. Sensitivity is not allowed when survival is the job at hand. To survive her five brothers and her mother's rage, Mary learned to manage the news. She learned to be smoking mirrors to manage the people and the unsafe world around her. What have we done, Mary, to your homespun rural Manitoba world? Mary's life spanned from the creation of the Model T Ford to Neil Armstrong on the moon with three boys, a newborn, one aged eight and another nearly teen, rations and an absent husband a war raged around the world that claimed 50 million lives. You held us together. 
And when in 1954, Hurricane Hazel flood took everything, including our home, she picked us up and we started all over again. I remember you said nothing about the change in mores when I was shacking up with Julie. Your 1900s training around must have seemed light years away from my evolving world. And still you did your best to cope in a world that must have times been beyond your imagination. Thank you for struggling through it all, for showing me one way of coping with the world. I apologize for not recognizing the source of your simplicity. Thank you for ignoring my anger that you were not perfect. Thank you for your hard work and your love-filled food. And thank you, Mary, for being my mother. End of poem. Mm -hmm. I love it. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> it's always new. Very nice. Beautiful. Very, yeah. very nice. Thank you. Um, I can, I just ask, can I just ask one question to Lisa, please? Yes. Lisa, I just went, um, how did your mom, like, I'm so, you know, impressed by your mom's achievement. I mean, what was it? What, where did she get her inspiration from? Because I know the 1940s was a very difficult period, you know, 1940s to 50s to 60s to, you know, I understand that it must be extremely, what, what was, where did she get that inspiration and to fight for all these things, you know? Yeah, in Oklahoma. Mom, can you answer that question? Well, well, her name is still there. She might just be away from the phone. Yeah. Oh, she might not be. She might. She might wait, wait, wait. She may not have figured out how to join with the video and the audio. Yeah. So but you Lisa, have some insight on how she, 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 she accomplished yeah, so some Lisa, of those she's 87 years old, is she? 87. I think so. She might uh, be taking a nap. <laughs> wow. I don't think so. I'm ready to take a nap myself. <laughs> That's why I said it. At 87, oh. yeah. Whoa. Yeah, she's about, I think, 86 or so, because I was born in 41 and she was born in 35. 35, yeah. And I'm 80. Maybe we can have her on next time to share her uh, inspiration and motivation. <laughs> Yes, and also, uh, you know, we've talked about people interviewing people, and Fafuli, you're in Ontario, but with Zoom, it's possible for you to interview uh, Mama in California. We had yeah, somebody in our group that interviewed someone in England. So, I mean, we definitely yes. can talk about having her on, but I'd like for people to experiment with that because there's a great power in people interviewing. Sometimes the news just picks this person or that person, but you all know someone who's done something remarkable. And so we're working to have the largest reservoir of uh, interviews done by older people or about older people, even a child. We have a child that interviewed a, uh, an 80-year-old grandparent. Uh, but we want to create this reservoir. We've been talking with the library system about it. So um, I was going to say about the chat. Some people have been putting things in the chat. There is a way that you can get a copy of what's in the chat. If you 
this is a little techy moment. If you click down on the bottom where it says chat and you look yeah. at the at the bottom where it says everyone, you'll see over to the right, there's a little smiling face. And then there are three dots. People told me yeah. there were dots there. I didn't believe them because my eyes said there's nothing there, but there are three well, dots. Save chat. <laughs> when you touch those dots, you can save the chat. And so if you save it a few minutes after we hang up, it'll come into your download, the chat. And because it'll be small, everybody probably knows how you just highlight something and you can enlarge it. So that way, all of the information people have put in their phone numbers and comments, you'll be able to print <laughs> them out and to, to keep them for yourself. Thank um, you. I guess it doesn't go to your email, right? <laughs> it doesn't. It'll come into your computer, and then yeah, you can probably. put it in. You can save it in your email. You can save in your it Zoom it. account. It'll show save a, save it in your Zoom account. That's what I'm assuming. Probably. Uh, uh, Lisa, tell your mother I'm 82, and tell your mother I recognize her as being a wonderful, wonderful person because. Uh, I've I've been around since 1940, so <laughs> tell us. We'd tell like to hear stories better. from her. I'd love to hear her stories. I will. <laughs> Please. Absolutely. And, 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 and having a lot of first, first year, first dad in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And my dad does too. He has a lot of firsts also. Yeah. Yeah, he's a little well, bit older than her. He's I started. I started writing. Po I started writing poetry when I was seventy-six. So I'm having the time of my life. I used to pretend I was a businessman. So thank you all for being there. I'm gonna go. I had some something I put off doing until I was sixty-five. I had a dream deferred of going to film school. When I was in high school, they marched me down to. Kansas State University and the counselor said, you know, they don't have any black writers in Kansas and blah, blah, blah. So you'll do nutrition. I did 20 years in nutrition. I did some wonderful things in nutrition. But since I went to film school and I wrote this book from uh, Heart Bomb Just For You and From Pillows to Pillars, I have had so many more people write me that they've, when I've shared an experience in writing poetry, people who've never written a poem, write a poem. And the dream of making a movie has come through, come through. I found that I was selected for a film training program that's starting in oh. uh, Vancouver. I wow. just Yay. in the middle of the night happened yes. to just looking at Yay. what's happening in, in uh, uh, Vancouver. And there was uh, a film series that was, was happening at the Polygon Theater. I went up to see it. I, I took the water boat, <laughs> whatever you call that thing, the sea taxi. It and does. it was five silent movies. They were five silent movies of different aspects of, of uh, Afrocentric life as it's seen in Canada. And they said at the bottom that a workshop group would be forming. When I clicked it, they said it was Phil. But then when I got home, the lady said, there's one more spot. You're going to be moved in it, but you have to go and see the exit exhibition, but I had already seen it. There's that, that something in the middle of the night that said, go and see it. So just as uh, 
Muriel has said, just as Wilda has said, uh, others have said, when you get that unction to do something, follow it, because it is that thing within. There's something beyond us that knows what your dream is. And if you just listen and follow that little thread that's dangled there, uh, you know, Leslie saying, I'm not satisfied. I want to have this degree. I want to teach and doing it. So whatever the age, uh, 85 we have someone in our group that's uh, working toward 120. So whatever your vision is, take it and run with it because <laughs> you've got the power. <laughs> so I want to thank everyone that's for that. You say that, um, Charlotte, because um, I watched this independent film yesterday. And at the end, when they when they're um, all the credits are rolling, I took screenshots when it got to the section about the different uh, corporations that provided funding for this project, because I thought I said, I'm going to take these screenshots and I'm going to send it to you so that you can have some information about, <laughs> you know, companies that fund independent films. And that was wow. just yesterday. I just didn't mention it to you. Wow, thank you. That's a way. There is something that happens. You know, many people in this group have been taking part in a thing called the Oath of Manifestation Call. Muriel started that call. It's in its 10th year. And that when you speak things, when you when you say yes to something, there is something within the universe that agrees. And other people then start to tell you, oh, I saw this, I saw that. There's something that's happening. And it starts to, to, to grow. So I encourage you to take pen and paper, take pictures of things that you see, and just look at how it fits into that thing that you still are intending to do as you're on your way toward 100. Like we're on our way toward 100th episode, all of us that still leave it, living, breathing, and talking on our way toward our journey toward 100. So uh, thank you very much for being here today. I look forward to seeing you again. Next week, we'll be talking more okay. about health. We're going to hear about sense, not only just the practical sense, whether you can smell a flower, but she's going to talk about the sensuality of sense. So <laughs> come back for Thanks. a treat. And then as you have things that you would like to discuss, we're going to be doing Poetry Month, uh, inviting poets, even more poets to share their poetry. Uh, June and July, I mean, not June and July, we, we have to see that we'll have funding by June. <laughs> but um, May and June, we will be looking for other ideas. If you have an idea for something you'd like to present, uh, somebody that you want to tell us about, like uh, Delsa told us about the poet Peter who came on. So send those, you have my email, send those ideas or requests to me and we can make it happen. Okay. God, God bless the Ukraine. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for everything. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so much, Muriel. Thank Bye. you so much, Wilda. Thank you. Thank you.